Colleagues, welcome back to the office. We're going to get started with our presentation here just in a moment. But before we do, I have a couple of brief announcements to share with you. First, if you're watching our course live, please note that we'll confirm your engagement through polling questions uh, that you can respond to. Polling questions will occur about every 12 to 20 minutes, and please keep an eye out for them because they might not be announced. If you're watching after the fact it's a self-study course, you will confirm your participation and engagement with our course today through a brief quiz that you'll complete on cpetoday.com after watching or listening to our presentation today. Your completion certificate will be sent to you by email. As long as you respond to 75% of the polling questions, if you're watching live, you will receive full credit for today's course. If you're watching after the fact as a self-study course, please note your certificate will be available to you immediately after passing the course quiz. We'd love to know what you think of our content and of our presentation today. If you wouldn't mind completing our course evaluation to provide your thoughts and feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, your feedback is used to help produce better and more insightful courses for you to consume in the future. If you have any questions, we'd love to hear from you. If you're watching live, feel free to use the chat dialog box to ask your questions to the presenter. And if you're watching after the fact, you can send us an email at support at cpetoday.com and we'll follow up with you as quickly as we possibly can. As a reminder, the CPE Today podcast is available as a joint effort between CPE Today and K2. Twice a week, we're bringing you the latest and greatest in technology, accounting, business knowledge, and more. You can watch for free on cpetoday.com, YouTube, or Facebook. If you can't make the live presentation, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and listen to the show on your own time. All of our podcasts are eligible for CPE credit. After watching or listening, you just head over to cpetoday.com. You complete a short five-question quiz, and you'll earn a credit for watching or listening. Now, if you've never tried one of our classes before, how about you try one on us risk-free? You can use coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout to make any podcast course of your choosing 100% free. We're going to get started here with our presentation. And again, thank you so much for being here. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us today. I want to acknowledge you being here and stepping away from working in your business, serving your clients, doing the things to keep you operational and moving forward, and really being here, being present, working on your business, gaining that one tip, that one action that you can go ahead and implement right away to be able to move your firm forward, advance the way that you are operational and raising the bar of how you serve your clients. So thank you so much for joining us. Today's topic is five steps to easily enroll premium clients without negotiating your fees. 75% of business majors end up having to enroll clients in some way, whether it's directly through sales, consultations, or being out there networking and pitching people. I wanna let you know that the majority of people never ever that are in the business school never ever get one class in sales. And because of that, they kind of wing it. They, they figure out on their own how to be able to navigate that. And as a result of that, there might be some bumps along the way or you never feel comfortable with it. But the bottom line is most schools do not offer even one class in how to sell your services, enroll new clients. However, 75% of those students graduating from business school end up enrolling clients in some way. So we're on a mission to correct that in order to have it work for you to easily navigate that process and enroll premium clients. 
If you find that you are in a consultation with potential new clients and that initial consultation turns into a pick your brain session where you're giving away a lot of information without ever getting compensated, they thank you and then go on their way. Possibly they ask what your rates are up front and you quote them a price. And then later on, when you're doing the work, you realize it was much too low and you're wondering how to correct that. Or possibly as soon as you get to the end of the conversation where it's time to talk about your services and you share what that next step would be like, there's an objection that comes up and you misread the objection and close down the conversation. If any of those things are true for you, then you are absolutely in the right place. Steve, please go ahead and introduce yourself. Lauren, I'd love to. So hi, my name is Steve Ogleman. Uh, as you can see by the last names, we do share something in common. Uh, I am a therapist turned business coach. I'm going to be your uh, second host for today. And I will also be uh, working on the poll questions. And Lauren, it is up to you. Thank you. A little bit about me is I am a sports psychologist turned business coach. What I have found going through school was that I got all the skill sets, the know-how to do what I do really, really well. And I also realized that my education prepared me to be an employee working for someone else instead of an employer or business owner. As a result of that, there were three things that I had to figure out in order to have a business that I run instead of one that runs me. The very first thing is how to communicate my value how to have those right words to appeal to the right clients, whether it is in-person networking events or on social media. So communicating my value was something I had to figure out. The second thing was how to be able to enroll new clients when I didn't like the sales part. I don't want to have to push or pressure someone into working with me or feel desperate for that next new client. And that's why I figured out how to have a value conversation instead of pitching someone. So those sales conversations were number two. And number three is how to price my services when I don't want to trade dollars for hours and connect my income to my time. So those were three things that I had to figure out. And the majority of county professionals that I work closely with also need to know how to communicate value, how to enroll new clients without being salesy, and how to separate their fees and time in order to earn more without feeling like a slave to their business. And as you can see from 2018 to 2022, I have been named as one of the top business coaches by HubSpot. And that is my Amazon number one bestseller, The Success Solution. What we're going to cover today is enrolling quality clients, three winning consultation questions, and handling objections like a pro. Like a pro. I will absolutely give you as much as I possibly can in a short amount of time together today. If you're interested in learning more, talking further, I will show you how to do that as we wrap up. Well, Lauren, would you share your overview of how to work with quality clients? Well, this is right from the Raise Your Rates formula that I teach on different platforms. I'm going into one part of it today. But if you take the essence of these five steps, you will then be able to increase your earning potential without feeling like you have to work additional hours. And let me just review them really quickly. The very first thing is high value clients because a lot of accounting professionals feel that they have to accept everyone who's willing to pay their fees. 
or in the beginning, they are ending up with taking on everybody because they need the cash flow and they have some low value clients and some high value clients. What you want to do is understand who your high value clients are, what qualities they share, what interests them, what problems they need solved in order to have more of them that you're working with. And doing that, working with those premium clients, put you squarely on the path to having your dream firm. So high value clients is number one. Number two, as I mentioned before, is communicating the, your value. What is the right words to attract one of those premium clients to you? And sometimes knowing what to say or how to say it is the biggest stumbling block. So understanding how to communicate value that attracts that right client to you is something that we go deeply into in order to put you on the path to having a dream firm. And then number three is packaging your services. This is where you look at all the different things that you do for your clients and you start to bundle them together in order to separate your fees and time. It's where I can look at the services page of your website and I see this long laundry list of different things that you do. And a lot of clients don't really understand what all those things mean, even though they might need it. So we go ahead and create packages. And by doing that, it allows you to actually increase your profit margin with the different services you do for your clients by bundling them together. After packaging your services, we go into number four, which is value pricing. This allows you to separate your fees from time. When you do value pricing, it's looking at how you price your services differently than you typically would if you do an alley or fixed fee. This is where you price in the client and what's valuable to them instead of looking at what's valuable to you, which tends to be your time and cost. By doing this, you can actually earn two to three times more without any additional time spent working. And then number five, which is what we are deeply going in today is consultation mastery. If you don't like the sales part, you don't want to pitch anybody or pressure someone into enroll uh, into services with you. As soon as an objection comes up, you get upset, uh, it throws you off and you shut down the, consult the uh, conversation. Then this is really where you want to have what I call a value conversation where you're asking great questions instead of selling your services. And I'm going to let you know that it changes everything to where you no longer feel uncomfortable doing it. It is a win-win for you and the person that you're meeting with. So if you don't like the sales part, then you want to understand consultation mastery by having a value conversation. And that's what we're going to deeply cover today. So those are the five steps of the raise your rates formula is high value clients, communicating your value, packaging your services, value pricing, and consultation mastery. Great. <clears throat> Lauren, I'm really looking forward to this. The first thing we're going to be looking at is enrolling quality clients. But before we do that, we have a first poll question. Do you pre-qualify clients? Anyone can schedule an appointment uh, or consultation. I'd like to screen them, but not really sure how. Or I screen clients first. Once again, do you pre-qualify your clients? Anyone can schedule a consultation. I'd like to screen them, but I'm not sure how, or I screen clients first. And I want to just say, we love hearing your questions in order to help you gain better understanding, apply this to your firm. If any questions come up, please let us know. We are happy to answer them. So Steve, do you want to go ahead and um, just go through those three choices and I'll 
share which one um, would be the best choice? Sure. Do you pre-qualify clients? Anyone can schedule a consultation. I'd like to screen them, but I'm not sure how, or I screen clients first. And my suggestion is that uh, screening clients first is really the way that you want to go. We're going to actually go into that in this very next section coming up as to why you want to be protective of uh, who you meet with and why it matters. Well, traditionally, any client that, <clears throat> that reaches out can schedule an appointment for a free consult. However, not all your clients are really a great fit for your services. Let's talk about this pre-qualifying clients. I would love to go ahead and share that. What I see is that so many websites have calendar links right on their page. And that means that anybody can go ahead and schedule a conversation with you. But I know that you're busy. Your time is very, very valuable. And instead of talking to anybody, even someone that maybe just wants a lot of free information without ever investing in your services, they had no intention of doing that. They just wanted to pick your brain. I want to protect you. And pre-qualifying clients is like having a virtual gatekeeper that protects your time and creates a natural boundary so that you are ending up speaking with the right clients who are really interested in moving forward instead of everyone. And the three things that you want to look at that helps to know whether this is the right fit for you to share a calendar link is if they're ready, willing, and able. And let me go ahead and break that down. Ready means that they've done the research, they understand they have a problem, and they know what options are available to them, and they're starting to figure out or ready to figure out what will be their next best action in order to move forward. Willing, which is the second step, is that they are ready to take action. They're no longer researching. They're no longer thinking about it. They know what their problem is. They've done all the research. They are now ready to do something to remove that obstacle. And then able is that they have the resources to be able to invest in your services. So those are the three things that start to pre-qualify clients are ready, willing, and able. Well, how do you make sure that only the right clients make it onto your schedule, your calendar? What you want to do is instead of having that calendar link, you want to be able to have them first answer questions. This works whether they're actually calling for that appointment or whether they're virtually going on your webpage in order to uh, have that conversation with you you first wanna have them answer some questions. And some of the questions that you might wanna ask about is profession, years in business, maybe about income, how much they made last year in revenues, how much they plan to make this year in revenues. What is the challenges uh, that they're having and, and why they are reaching out to you? And if they are willing to invest in services to be able to resolve those things. If you wanna see an example, and model what that would look like, you can go to my website and look at the questions that I have. And that's at businesssuccesssolution.com forward slash let's talk. Once again, the questions that I have will work for you and your accounting firm. Uh, the only one that you might want to change a little bit is the very last question about readiness and investing. You just want to make it more appropriate for the services that you offer. But all the other ones will work for your firm also. So once again, 
I want you to ask some questions. Even though it's just a couple of questions, it gives you so much insight about whether this is someone who you want to actually speak with or whether it's not a great fit and you want to maybe respond with some uh, recommendation or resource. Well, you know, unfortunately, most of the accounting professionals, they really weren't trained in sales, yet they have initial consultations that they have to do because it leads to more clients. What are the common mistakes that uh, they make and they don't even realize they're making them? Well, first of all, awareness is a first step to being able to correct something. This is where you've done the best you can up until now. And once you have awareness and some insights, then you have the option to continue doing things as they were or to make some adjustments to get a better outcome. I want you to get the best outcome possible if you're meeting with potential clients. So some of the things to think about is that you're talking too much. If you are actually selling your services, talking too much, then it's not a consultation. It is a sales conversation or a pitch. So that's the very first thing to think about is you want to look at how to talk less and have the potential client talking more, which I will go into in section two. This other thing is that you are talking about next steps, moving forward, engaging your solution much too early because something to think about is when they are telling you their problem, you might get really, really excited because you know exactly the fix to remove that particular challenge that they're having. And you go into what it's like to move forward. But at, according to my research in neuroscience and my studies at, when I was doing sports psychology, I want to let you know with how we do make decisions as adults is when we're focused on the problem, then that puts us into that fight, flight, or freeze mode. That means overwhelmed because we're focusing on something that is stressful or not working well for us. And our brain is responding to that as if we're in survival mode. We are unable to make a higher level decision when we're in survival mode. So if you're hearing about the problems and they go right into how you can fix it, that is gonna be something that might actually kill a sale. You need a way to transition from the problem into the solution. And I will talk about that later on as well. And then number three is overload with details. You love accounting and finances and bookkeeping, but I'm gonna let you know that the majority of clients do not really geek out over it to the same degree that you do. A lot of them don't even really understand it or they don't really have any comprehension about financials and the money part of their business overwhelms them. So I wanna make a recommendation that you don't go too much into the details because that's where you're gonna lose a connection or they're just gonna tune out and stop listening to you. And because of that, they will not make that higher level decision. The fourth part is you misread objections. We will go into that in section three of this conversation today. But the main thing is that as soon as there's an objection, you see it as a no and you're shutting down the conversation. And what's happening is you've got them all aware of their problem. And as soon as you heard that objection, you close the conversation. They're not ready to do something. You just misread the objection. So they're going to move on to somebody else who's comfortable with that objection. And that person's going to benefit from all the hard work that you did. So we need to be able to shift 
how you look at objections so you don't see it as confrontation or a difficult conversation any longer. And then number five is you skip the discovery process. You are asking all the questions that matter to you, but you're really not asking the right questions that help you understand more about the client and understand that person's needs, wants, and, des and desires. So when you do that and you skip the discovery conversation, then you're having a conversation that's similar to every other accounting professional out there who has free consultations, and it is not a very remarkable conversation. I want to show you, and from today, you're going to walk away with those questions to have a memorable, remarkable conversation where you stand out and they see you as the best option for moving forward. Well, you know, in order to have a business, obviously, you need clients. How do accounting professionals enroll these new clients if they don't really like the sales part and haven't been trained in it? Well, I didn't like the sales part either. That was really uncomfortable for me. And I want to simply say, this is where you and that potential client are on the same page because they don't want to be pitched to and you don't want to pitch your service. We're all in agreement about that. What you want to do is actually ask great questions that have you find out more about the potential client. And by having those engaging questions, they're going to actually ask you in a very natural way, how does this work? So this is where you're having that value conversation instead of a sales conversation. And the essence of it is that you're doing less talking, you're not selling your services, and you ask great questions. When I first met with Rihanna, she was feeling like a slave to her business where she would put the kids to bed and she'd go back and do some more client work because she was saying yes to everybody who wanted to engage her services. She was proud that she had 100% close rate. Everybody that spoke with her became a client. However, it also took so much of her personal time. She was sacrificing a lot. She was exhausted and the family was missing out on time with her. So we found a way to be able to craft that onboarding process for her to be able to work with better clients who were right fit for her and be able to, as a result of that, not need as many clients to meet her revenue needs. Part of what we did is we went ahead and packaged her services. As I mentioned, this is step number three of the Raise Your Rates formula. And she was able to choose a particular, a particular niche that she wanted to focus on, which was the restaurant industry, because she had been working that in restaurant um, at a corporate level for many, many years before she opened up her own firm. And we packaged the services together that those restaurant owners would need in order to be able to have accurate financials and be able to increase their profit margin, deal with the ebbs and flows of a seasonal business. As you can see, she has a silver, gold, and platinum uh, option. And this is a way of bundling her services together, being able to separate her time from her fees. As a result, she was able to reduce her hours and be able to increase her revenues. And she was allowed me to share this for inspiration in order for you to model, but please do not copy it because it is proprietary to Rihanna. So once again, by packaging her services and being able to look at who she wanted to enroll and cherry picking those clients that were a right fit for her made her more profitable 
without having to work any additional hours. Well, let's move forward, Lauren. Let's look at the three winning consultation questions. Uh, but before we do that, we have our next poll. What is your comfort selling level? It is a necessary chore. I can take it or leave it. I love closing new clients. So what's your selling comfort level? It's a necessary chore. I take it or leave it. Or I love choosing or closing new clients. And Steve, were there any questions that came in? Uh, let's see. Yes, we do have a question. What is a value conversation? A value conversation is where you're asking specific questions to focus more on the client and what's of top of mind for them, what they value, instead of solely asking questions that you need in order to do the work and understand their workflows and their operations and where their financials are. So that is where you're shifting the focus from what's important to you to really what matters most to your clients. So that's the essence of a value conversation. Mm -hmm. Great, thank you. So why don't you give us the correct answer? Uh, okay, with the correct answer of what's your selling comfort level, uh, I would say we want to aim towards love closing new clients. When we're able to aim with that, then that means that you're going to be present for the client and focus on what's in the client's best interest from the very beginning all the way through to the very end. So that's what we're aiming for is to have you love closing new clients. Well, you know, this, this is an interesting slide because I'm really curious about what does a network meeting have to do with a new client consultation? What I believe is that first impressions are lasting impressions. You get a couple of seconds to make that initial first impression. And think about a network meeting that you've gone to. First of all, making the decision to go to one was probably some that you overthought before you actually made the decision to go. You ended up there, you didn't know anybody, the hostess saw you, introduced you to someone, and now you're trapped in this conversation with someone who is telling you all about their business, what's great about it, why you should use it, and so on and so forth. They are pitching you and they don't even know you or if this is something that you even care about. And they go on and on. Then maybe they ask you a question about you. You start to answer, they cut you off and they go back to talking about them again. At the end of that conversation, they hand you their business card. They tell you how great it was to meet you, how much they learned about you, and you are exhausted and ready to just go home. So I'm going to say that is what happens a lot of times in initial conversations that accounting professionals have is that they're asking a lot of questions that are important to them and matter to them, but they're overlooking the essentials that are important to the person that they're meeting with and why this person even decided to reach out and have a conversation with them. So instead of having a forgettable conversation where their eyes glaze over because you're asking too much about the financials that they don't really understand, I want you to have a memorable conversation which has you understand more about them, their needs, wants, and desires. Well, I've been in those conversations where the other person never been bothered to ask anything about me when we sit in there for like 30 minutes. So what do you suggest we focus on during the initial consultation? 
30 minutes, they don't even realize that your eyes glazed over or that you were itching to look at your phone. Or I was, I was looking at my phone. <laughs> I was looking at my phone. <laughs> uh, what we want to do is instead of having that pitch or that sales conversation, I want you to have, as I mentioned before, a value conversation. And basically, it's doing the first box, the second box leads to a particular outcome. You want to really understand what are their challenges? What are the concerns they have? What are the frustrations that they've been dealing with? What have they been tolerating for much too long and can no longer tolerate? Where they're feeling stuck, they can't move forward. Or maybe they want to uh, move forward in a big way and they don't have the right financials in order to be able to move in that direction. So you want to understand their challenges. And then the next thing you want to do is talk about your solutions. But not when you're pitching them, you want to educate them about how some of the things that you do will actually remove those obstacles or challenges or frustrations that they're having. And by doing this, you're connecting the dots. You are really stepping into their shoes by asking questions that matter to them. And then you're connecting the dots of their problems with your, with your solutions. And as a result of that, they see the value of working with you. So once again, you want to find out what their challenges are. You want to educate them about the solutions. No pitching, selling required. It's education. It's sharing information from a place of giving. And then from that, they will see the value of working with you. And this is where you get to stand out above all others. And they really see you as someone that has the expertise, the resources, the insights in order to move forward and resolve their challenges. Okay, what does 70 slash 30 have to do with any of this? This is what I call the 70-30 rule. And the 70-30 rule is where the potential client is talking 70% of the time during your initial consultation, and you're only talking 30%. Right now, that might be flipped where you're talking 70% and they're talking 30%. We want to really reverse that. And you might be wondering, how do you do that? I am talking most of the time during this initial consultation. Well, the way to do that is by asking great questions. It's by having that value conversation. And the great questions tend to uncover their needs, their wants, and their desires. And there's a difference between all three of those. The needs are the very essentials that they need to be operational. The wants are things that they would like to have in place but they don't have the capacity or the know-how in order to be able to have that happen. And the desires are future-focused. This is something that is a milestone, a goal. It is maybe a sign of success for them if they achieve that thing. So that's what you want to cover during the value conversations. They ask great questions, which really goes ahead and helps you understand their needs, their wants, and their desires. And I'm just going to give you an advanced move the more you connect your solution to those future-focused desires raises your value. Well, Lauren, you know, I, this is a system, which I know, because first you work with your clients uh, so they know which questions to ask. However, I think that you can also train their assistants to successfully enroll new clients. What are the best questions to ask during this initial consult? Well, I, I just wanna reemphasize that again. Yes, this is a system and you can do it yourself. 
but sometimes you're not the best person to have these free mm -hmm. consultations. And there might be someone on your team who is better at that, especially as your firm grows. And this is something because it's a system can be taught to somebody on your team. You do not need to be the one doing the initial consultations if that is not where your uh, best time is best spent. So that's something to think about. It could be that you train someone on your team, but you wanna be asking the essential questions that you need to understand the workflow, but also three specific type of questions to have more of a value conversation. These are how much. So this is about how much time are you spending on doing this or because you don't have insights. How much time would you gain back if you no longer had to do this yourself? Uh, how much is this costing you by not having the accurate information on your financials? How much revenues could you actually be earning if we were able to get that up to date and accurate for you? So how much questions has to do with time and cost? And then you want to go into the stress factor. This is the emotional part where you're asking about how long they've been tolerating this for, frustrations, uh, the emotional cost of not having this in place. Uh, so that's what, and, and let's face it, I know you're not a therapist, that you are an accounting professional, and maybe talking about the emotional part doesn't really sit well with you. It makes you a little bit uncomfortable. However, from a sales perspective, it's important to realize that people will make the decision to move forward and engage your services first based on emotion, and then they will justify it with logic. This is why we want to understand the emotional cost of tolerating this problem is because we want them to become aware of how long they've been tolerating it, the cost, the frustrations, and having them realize that you're asking those questions about them, which shows that you actually care you really want to help them find that right solution. So even though it might not be in your comfort zone, you don't have to get to the point where you make them really squirming in their seat, but you have to get enough to be able to connect with the emotional cost of continuing to tolerate their problem before they're ready to move forward. Because most people move forward when they no longer want to have a problem as opposed to moving forward because there's some goal that they want to achieve. Basically. Problems are what motivate us to get into action, not our aspirations. It's just how most people are. And then the last part is the work-life equation, because a lot of times as a business owner, and you probably know this with having your own firm as well, is that it's not a 50-50 balance. This is where when something is not going well at work, then it overflows into your personal life similar to talking about Rihanna, where she was putting the kids to bed and then going back and doing more client work. And the other part of it is when maybe there's something not going well in your personal life, it overflows into your business as well because it's a distraction. You're not as focused. You're not getting as much done because you're a little bit off your game. So those are some of the things you want to really ask when you're meeting with someone is how much stress factor, which is emotional cost and the work-life equation. And that is where you start to have that value conversation. Some of the things to think about that you want to build into your initial consultation, have more of a value conversation is understanding what someone wants to achieve in 12 months, because 12 months is future focused enough where they need to put some things in place in order to achieve that goal. 
but it's not so far in the future where what they think they want to achieve and what actually happens later on down the road are two different things. So once again, 12 months is a great way for you to understand what it is that they're working towards and how to be able to educate them about the solutions to make that happen. You also want to understand where things currently are, because if you now know where things are in 12 months and where things are now, there's this gap in between. And that helps you get some insights as to how you can educate them about ways to be able to close that gap. The third question is, how will you measure success? Now, not how you will measure it, but how that potential client will measure it. How will they know if your work together is successful? And by hearing about this, this is where you're understanding maybe some of the KPIs, key performance indicators or metrics that you can measure in order for them to realize that working with you is an investment, not a cost. They gain more because they worked with you as opposed to seeing it as they have to pay your fees and it is something that is just something they need to tolerate. So I want them to see that working with you is an investment and some of that is by understanding those uh, metrics that they want to measure and being able to give them the insights of how you're helping them move forward with achieving those things. And then the fourth question, as I talked before, this is where you want to ask that pivot question before you talk about your services, is asking what's possible once we resolve those challenges. This is where we're taking them out of the problem into their future potential. And when they're doing that, they're no longer stressed out, feeling like they're in survival mode. Now they're being future focused, thinking about where they want to go. And that is that pivot question that you want to ask before talking about your services. And then the last one is why now? Because people have a high tolerance level. That's true for all of us. We're busy. We have so much on our plate that demands our attention. Something happened that grabbed their attention to be able to reach out and speak to you. And they need to be able to resolve that issue. So you want to find out why now? What is the reason that they reached out to you and are ready to take care of that now? That is very, very insightful as to how urgent this is for them to move forward and get this taken care of and fixed. So those are some of the questions you want to ask that will have you have that value conversation instead of having to sell your services. Well, what happens once you're done asking your questions? This is where you want to ask them, do you have any questions for me? You can use those exact words. All you need to ask after you finish with your value conversation, asking your questions is, say, do you have any questions for me? And this is where they will most likely ask, how does this work if they are interested in moving forward and engaging your services? At that point, you get to make a decision. You are in charge of how you respond to that. If you know that they're not really a great fit for your firm, you've got some red flags that they're going to be a headache client, they're going to be price sensitive and challenge you on your fees, and that working with them is going to be more pain than pleasure. All you need to do is bless them and send them on their way. You might want to give them a step to take. You might want to give them a next move or maybe a suggestion, but you are not obligated to enroll them into working with you if you know that they are not a right fit because then you're going to end up with a low, low value client. And you are at a point as a business owner 
you are allowed to cherry pick your clients. I encourage you to do that. Now, if this is someone that you do want to work with and you see that there's synergy, they're going to be a pleasure to work with, they value what you have to offer, are going to respect you as well as your boundaries, then what you want to do is extend an invitation and give them, educate them about the next steps moving forward and how to engage your services. So once again, ask some questions. Do you have any questions? That's all you need to ask. If they say, how does this work? You then make a decision, not a fit, bless them and send them on their way. If it's someone you want to work with, then educate them about the next steps moving forward. Well, Lauren, you know, the, often the most uncomfortable part of the consultation is really the close, the dreaded close. That's the part which can feel the most salesy and sometimes get missed or skipped. And they, you know, what insights can you share about this critical part of the conversation? I will let you know that this is something that I learned about and how to deal with that part of the conversation from personal experience. And it was a costly mistake. And, and, and because it was so insightful, I, I would actually like to share it with you too, in order for you to avoid having that same experience that I had. But I was meeting with someone very early when I started learning how to have sales conversations. I was winging it, I didn't really know, and I was starting to get some insights and training on how to have more of a value conversation. And this was back in about 2009. So it was very early in the beginning of my business. Like I said, I was meeting with this person. We had a great connection. I asked all the right questions as far as the value conversation goes. And then it came time for the close, the dreaded close. And what happened at that point is that I felt something shift within me. And maybe because that shift happening within me, my eye contact might have changed where I broke eye contact. Possibly my body language changed, my tone of voice might have changed, but something shifted and I could feel this happening. I did not know how to stop it because I was very new to having enrolling conversations with people. But I went through my pitch and at the end of it, this person asked me, so why do you want to work with me? And I was transparent and honest and said, because I know I can help and I can use a new client. As I mentioned, I was early in my business. I had some bills coming up. The cash would have been really helpful with keeping me on top of everything. And that's when this person said, well, let me think about it. At that point, I knew I killed my own sale. We closed the conversation. We scheduled another meeting to connect. and. After that person left my office, all I wanted to do was take a cold shower because it felt so out of integrity what happened to me. And I didn't know how. I vowed I was going to figure this out. And what I figured out was that during the initial conversation, when I was asking all these questions, I was really focused and present and tuned into what was in the best interest of that client. And when it came time to the pros and talking about my services and possibly enrolling a new client, I shifted my focus from that person to me and what was in my best interest. And that's what broke the connection and killed the sale. And this is why I'm such an advocate of accounting professionals have, having these value conversations because I want you to stay present from the very beginning all the way through to the end on what's in the best interest of that client coming from the place of being an advisor 
and never ever breaking that connection that you took the time to develop because you started thinking about yourself. So that is something to think about is when you're meeting with someone and you're getting to that close, you want to continue to be present on what's in the best interest of that client instead of thinking about what's in your own best interest. Susan hated enrolling conversations. They made her very uncomfortable even thinking about the fact that there was one on her calendar that she was going to have to have. Because she disliked the word no and made her uncomfortable, she wanted to make people happy and please them. She had very low rates in order to enroll 100% of her clients. That avoided those uncomfortable, difficult conversations for her. And she thought that that was being customer, uh, customer oriented was being able to make it to where everybody could enroll with her. But because of that, she became a slave to her business, working too many hours for too, many, for too little money, which meant that she had to have a lot of clients in order to meet her revenue needs. She was working seven days a week, 70 hours a week, and sacrificing a lot of personal time and quality of life. So what we did is we started to move in the direction of the raise your rates formula, and be able to look at the value from the client's perspective of working with her instead of her value and what was important to her. I'd like to bring your attention to cleanup number one. Because she's an accounting professional, she keeps everything on a spreadsheet. But she had this person come to her for a cleanup project. If she would have just calculated her time by her hourly rate, she would have charged $1,500 for the project. But she reached out to me. We had a brief conversation focused on the value from the client's point of view and went ahead and priced the same cleanup project, no additional time spent working at $7,900. That meant that that would have been an additional $6,400 in revenue, pure profit for pricing it according to the client's value instead of her value. So because this is a process, she did the step-by-step of setting up the conversation, asking uh, those great questions, listening to the client's answers, and then proposing her solution. Because of that, they were able to see the value of engaging her services. They said yes. And since, the, since this is a system, they went ahead and prepaid for the entire project before she even got started. This gave her insights that clients weren't as price sensitive as she thought they were. And she started going ahead and putting this into all of her new client uh, initial consults and raising the fees of her current clients as well. As you can see, in about nine months, she brought in an additional $56,000 in revenue. And she also went from working seven days a week, 70 hours a week, down to three days a week, 20 hours a week. So not only did she increase her revenues, but she also reduced the amount of time spent working in her firm. And just think about, what would that do for you if you can earn more and work less? That sounds perfect. So Lauren, I know that we have uh, actually a free resource which goes into this section. Do you wanna talk about that? Yes, I, if you're interested in having those initial console questions in order to have more of that value conversation where the client sees the value of working with you, it distinguishes you having a memorable conversation then go ahead to businesssuccesssolution.com forward slash script. And you can go ahead and get that resource so you can bring those value conversations into your initial consults. Once again, by doing this, 
It has them see the benefit of working with you. It's a memorable conversation. It highlights your expertise. So you can grab that at businesssuccesssolution.com forward slash script and bring those questions into your initial consultations. Well, what we're going to be looking at next is how to handle objections like a pro. But before we do that, we have our next poll question. Your response to objections. I quickly end the conversation. There's room for improvement or I handle them like a pro. Once again, what is your response to objections? Quickly end the conversation. There's room for improvement or I handle them like a pro. Lauren, why don't you talk about that? Well, Steve, I just want to check in. Did you get any questions during this last section? Uh, let me check. Yes, I did. Do you recommend sending a proposal after? Uh, are you talking about after the initial consult? Yes. Uh, okay, great, great. Uh, actually, I recommend you do not send an initial a proposal after the initial consult because think about it. When a proposal is sent to you by email, what is the very first part of it you're going to look at? How about you, Steve? What's the very first part that you're going to look at? How much it costs. Yeah, you're going to go right to the price and the fees. And based on that number, you're going to make a quick knee-jerk ass assessment as to whether it's a great price and you want to move forward or whether it's too high. But I want to say that they are making that decision without the benefit of you talking with them about you decide about why you decided to charge that rate or the value of moving forward with you. So my recommendation is do not send a proposal by email. What you wanna do is get on another meeting with them. And at that point, review the proposal with them. This way, if there's any questions about the pricing, about the service, about the outcome, then you are right there and you can answer those questions for them so that they can make an informed decision as opposed to having a knee-jerk reaction based on the price. So thanks for asking that. And Steve, let's go ahead. We'll close down the poll. And basically your response to objections is that from this conversation, I absolutely want you to feel comfortable handling them like a pro. And we're gonna go into the steps on how to be able to do that in this section. Well, first, you know, you have to pre-qualify the prospects, then you ask great questions during the consultation. And if it's a fit, you invite them to work with you. So this now takes us to the most critical part of the consultation, the dreaded objections. And basically there's a story behind the objections. Uh, what I want you to think about is as an accounting professional, you love the numbers. You see the numbers in a different way than most other people do. You understand the story behind the numbers. You can see patterns. You can see ways to be able to change or shift the outcome based on the numbers for a business owner. And I want you to be able to take that same curiosity about the numbers and apply it to the enrolling conversation when you get to the objections and realize similar to the story behind the numbers, there's a story behind the objections. At this point, instead of shutting down the conversation and closing it where they move on, I want you to get curious, just like you do about the numbers. I want you to get curious and you do this by asking more questions. You wanna ask, so tell me more. What do you mean? 
but you want to understand the story behind the questions, the objections, because then this means that you're going to no longer misread them and meet, and feel that it, they ought, you ought to be uh, shutting down the conversations. Instead, when you get curious about the objections, you're going to realize that the objection means that either they need more information from you, they don't really have everything to see the true value of moving forward with you yet, or they have some questions that they haven't asked yet. So once again, there's a story behind the objections, and it's either that they have some unanswered questions, or possibly they don't see the full value of moving forward with you yet, and they need some additional information. And basically, there's going to be some top common objections. Think about that. What is your top objection? What comes up for you when you tend to be speaking with potential clients? And I know that the most common one has to do with price, but my feeling is that there's probably three to five primary objections that you get. And I want you to go ahead and list them. So price is one, maybe time is another one. The third one might be, I need to speak to somebody else in order to, before I can move forward. And then there might be a couple other ones that come up as well. So think about what those top objections are. Like I said, come up between three to five. And then what you want to do is write down a soundbite of how you would like to respond to them. By doing this, those objections are no longer to throw you off guard where you're going to shut down the conversation. You're now going to have the words on how you want to respond to it. And then once you write down that soundbite for each of those objections, then practice it out loud. It's the most uncomfortable part of dealing with it is practicing it out loud. I totally get it. But that's why actors do a dress rehearsal because reading the script and actually performing it is two different things. And I wanna make sure that when you say it out loud, when meeting with someone, it doesn't sound scripted or halted, like you memorized something. I want it to come naturally from you. So once again, practice it out loud, do a dress rehearsal, whether it's in front of the mirror with one of your fur babies or possibly with a coworker or a trusted resource. So I suggest you go ahead and say it out loud to get more comfortable with uh, when they actually come up during the real deal. So once again, the three steps is identify your objections that come up. There's usually about three to five top ones. Then write out your soundboard fight and then practice it out loud in order to naturally respond to it when it happens during your initial consultations. Well, what are the five steps to respond to objections? This is the way to be able to keep the conversation going, understand the story behind the objections instead of shutting down the conversation. The very first thing you want to do is acknowledge that concern. And you don't want to try to convince them that they're wrong and you're right, or cave into why they have that objection to begin with. All you want to do is be neutral like Switzerland. You basically want to say, I understand that concern. That's it. You just want to acknowledge it. You don't have to agree or disagree with it. And then after that, this is where you want to understand the story behind the objections by asking a question and getting curious. So you want to ask a question and the question could simply be, so tell me more. What do you mean by that? Either one of those will help you understand more of what's behind that objection. 
And then number three is assess whether they're really interested in working with you or not. This is where you want to ask, well, if it wasn't about the price or whatever that objection was, would you still be interested in working with us? And if they say no, then they really are being honest and they're not interested in working with you. Close the conversation, bless them and let them move on. Uh, but if they say yes, then they probably have some unanswered questions or don't fully see the value of working with you yet. So that lets you really assess whether they're interested or they're not. Number four is assume. This is where you want to assume the crows, that you will be able to engage them, that you are setting an intention for them that they can't quite see for themselves yet. So by assuming the crows is where if you see, let me, let me back up and say this again. By assuming the crows, this is where you're being a champion for them. And that you assume that they just have more questions, need more, uh, need more insights in order to move forward. And by coming from a positive expectations that they just need that information before they say yes, then you're going to approach it in a very different way than if you assume that they really can't afford you, that they don't have the time that they can't move forward with working with you for whatever reason. And if you assume that what they're saying as the objection is true and that it really isn't no, then you're going to have a very different attitude about continuing with the conversation. So I want you to assume that we just need to get some information out of the way before they can move forward, because that's a positive expectation. Whereas when you're buying into their objections, you're going to feel defeat and come from a, from a very different perspective. And you're likely to actually lose someone who might have said yes, if you would have just had a different outlook about the objection. So that's something to think about is how you approach objections and approach them from a positive manner. And then the last one is affirm. This is their, once they say yes to working with you, engaging your services, what you want to do is affirm their decision. All you need to do is congratulate them. Let them know they made a great decision, that they're in great hands, and you're going to absolutely help them achieve the things that you talked about. The reason you want to do that is because working with you was probably a little bit of a risk on their end, or maybe they have some hesitation and, re and reservations. They need to get the verbal confirmation that they made a great decision to be able to have closure and feel fully engaged. So once again, once they decide to work with you and they say yes, just acknowledge that they made a great decision. That way, later on, when they share with their partner about how they decided to work with you and their partner asks, well, how much did it cost? And they tell them the investment. And that partner says, what? You paid that much? My sister's best friend could do that for a fraction of the fees. And now they are questioning their decision. So I don't want that to happen. And you know that that happens all the time. I don't want that to happen to you. So what you want to do is go ahead and congratulate them. They, they made a great decision. And that way they have closure. And you are more likely to have someone who is excited to move forward and get started. So those are the five steps to handling objections is acknowledge, ask, assess, assume, and affirm. And with Devin, when, the, when everything happened around March of 2020 and all businesses shut down because of COVID, she had a potential client reach out to her 
that had everything on their servers in the office. And they couldn't access that because everything was shut down. They needed to get onto the cloud as quickly as possible. So she knew how to do that. She has a specialty of working with attorneys. And this was a law firm who was hemorrhaging money for every week that they were not operational. Because she understood the value conversation that I just shared with you, she went through all the steps and she was able to engage them for $40,000 for a year's worth of services, including getting them uploaded into the cloud. But before we started working together, she said she probably would have charged only $5,000 for that service. So she was able to see the, the value from the client's point of view. Remember, this was a law firm that was losing tens of thousands of dollars each week they weren't operational. Spending $40,000 was a great investment for them because they can go ahead and pick up from where they left off and get their revenues coming in again. So once again, she was able to do this by focusing on the value from the client's point of view instead of looking at it from her time and cost and hourly rate. So what we covered today is enroll quality clients, three winning consultation questions, and handle objections like a pro. Steve, I'm going to keep going to respect time. Go for it. Uh, let's go ahead and launch that final poll. How interested are you in talking with Lauren about raising your rates? I'd like to schedule a 15-minute consult with Lauren. Uh, this looks interesting. I'd like to find out more or I'm not interested at this time. So once again, how interested are you in talking with Lauren about raising your rates? Uh, I'd like to schedule a 15 minute consult. This looks interesting. I'd like to find out more or I'm not interested at this time. Thank you. And I'm going to go ahead and end the poll. And if you feel like this is something from our short period of time together, you got value, you are ready to get this implemented into your firm, then I invite you to reach out to me and have a complimentary path to profit strategy session. It does have a $500 value because it's a dedicated conversation, but it is complimentary to be able to find more about what it is that you want to achieve with your accounting firm. And you can go to businesssuccesssolution.com forward slash let's talk, and that gets us started. Once again, it's businesssuccesssolution.com forward slash let's talk. And I want to acknowledge you for joining us, taking time away from working in your business to work on your business. Thank you so much. And I look forward to talking with you soon. Take care. This concludes today's presentation. As a reminder, if you're watching or listening to our show on YouTube, Facebook, or elsewhere, you can earn credits by going to cpetoday.com and passing a brief five-question quiz. If you're a new watcher or listener to our show and you'd like to earn a credit, you can do so for free by using coupon code ONEFREEPODCAST at checkout. You can make today's class or any other class of your choosing 100% free with this code. Please consider reaching out and connecting with us on social media. You can subscribe to our channel on YouTube. You can follow us on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook and more. Feel free to leave us a comment. Also, please consider subscribing to our show wherever you happen to receive your content, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and others. Thank you so much for being here. We look forward to seeing you back at the office the next time around.